scripture reading this morning will be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Good morning to everybody. Glad to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. And those of you who are joining us on live stream, we're really, really glad to have you with us. Both lessons today are going to deal with the subject of reading. You say, well, why, why deal with reading? Why even preach about reading? And the answer is because there is so much in the Bible about the subject of reading, especially reading the Word of God. And I just want to ask the question in both lessons today, what have you been reading lately? If you were to stop and to think about what you've read over the last week, what are you reading? A lot of people say, well, I'm just not much of a reader. Okay, do you go on the internet? Do you read websites and news, uh, news stories? Do you read social media? You're reading something. Well, some people say, well, I, I read a certain kind of novel or a certain kind of book, and that's, that's really where I spend my time. That'll tell people a lot about what you're thinking and about where your heart and mind are. What are you reading? As you think about the passage that was just read a moment ago, there are some very, very good reasons for us to invest in the reading of God's Word. The reading of God's Word. And as we introduce this lesson this morning, I just want to ask the question, what are you reading? And I want to point out about seven passages, just, just in the introduction this morning, seven passages that are worthy of our reflection when it comes to reading the Word of God. We just read a moment ago, Brother Kent read for us, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus was being tempted by the devil. He had spent 40 days in the wilderness. And the devil, commander, the devil challenged Jesus to turn some stones into bread, to use miracles for his own purposes. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Question, does Jesus know what he's talking about? Does he, does he understand that reading is important and that living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is what it means to really live? Certainly, this passage would indicate that that's true. Also notice that Jesus, when he answered a question, Jesus very frequently, one of his very favorite ways to answer a question was to say, it is written. He spent time reading the old law 
and talking to people about what was written in the old law. And not only that, a lot of times people would come with challenges and questions for Jesus, and they wanted to know what he thought about this or that issue. And Jesus would almost always respond, either it is written or have you not read? Matthew 21, verse 16, have you not read what the Bible says on this subject? Jesus was a man of the book, and if we want to follow him, we ought to be a people of the book as well. A second passage as we introduce this study, Romans 10, verse 17, this one's familiar to most of us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God wrote his word in a book. And our faith is going to be directly proportional to how much of this book we have processed and assimilated into our minds and our hearts. Oh, you of little faith, Jesus often said to his disciples, why do you doubt? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's a great reason to read because it increases our faith. A third verse, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. The Hebrews writer was concerned about his brethren backsliding. He was concerned that they were going to leave their faith. And so the Hebrews writer says, therefore we Christians must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. He's saying that we're going to drift away from God if we're not investing in his word continually. In this particular passage, it has to do with hearing the word of God, but by extension, it also has to do with reading the word of God. It's about being loyal to Jesus Christ. It's about enduring in difficult circumstances. What are you reading? Another passage, Mark 4, 19, the parable of the soils. You remember the third kind of soil? The first one was the wayside soil and the, the seed just never penetrated. And the second one was the rocky or the stony shallow soil and the seed just never could develop much roots. But the third kind of soil had really good, really good depth to it. Well, what was the problem with that third kind of soil? Jesus said, the problem is that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things... Those things entered in, and just like weeds, they choked the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Should I read the word of God? The answer that the Bible continually gives us is yes. Well, what would keep me from reading the word of God? Jesus says very plainly, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. There are some things that are just more attractive, more appealing than reading at times. Here's another verse, Jeremiah 37, verse 17. The king of Israel, the king of Judah, in the declining twilight days before the Babylonian captivity, King Zedekiah he had been set on the throne of Judah. He was the ruler of a nation, and yet he had no idea what God wanted him to do. And so he called for Jeremiah, and he asked this question, is there any word from the Lord? You know, one of the questions we ought to ask ourselves each day as we wake up, and as we go throughout our day, is there any word from the Lord? Has God spoken to me from his word today? Have I listened to what he's saying, reading and investing in Scripture? Is there any word from the Lord? Another passage, 1 Timothy 4.13. 
Paul writes to Timothy, a young preacher of the gospel. And Paul says, you need to give attention to some things in your ministry, Timothy. You need to make sure that you're emphasizing certain areas of responsibility. And what he says specifically is, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He's talking about Timothy's ministry. One of the things as a preacher Timothy was supposed to do was he was supposed to read God's word to God's people. That's what he was supposed to be about. And then he was supposed to exhort people after he had read God's word. And then he was supposed to tell people what this means. What are the doctrines that God wants us to embrace and to believe and to live in our lives? Give attention to reading. Here's one more verse. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. The restoration of Nehemiah's day. The Bible says that all of Israel was gathered together and they built a giant uh, platform and all the leaders of Israel were up on the platform. And the Bible says, as everybody gathered together, they began to read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and they helped people to understand the reading. What are you reading? restoration and repentance and conversion endurance in times of difficulty all of those things are related to the discipline of reading in fact i would say it this way there are some blessings brothers and sisters that we can get from reading and thinking about god's word that we can never get any other way there just are If all I get from God's Word is what I get when I come and I listen to a sermon or when I listen to a Bible class that somebody else has prepared, that somebody else has decided what chapter we're going to talk about, what what verse we're going to discuss, if all I'm ever getting is that, I'm robbing myself of some of the blessings that God intends for me because His Word is more than just what we hear on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's about investing in the Word of God. With that in mind this morning, four reflections, and there's also a challenge embedded in all this. You'll hear about that in just a moment, but four reflections on reading the Word of God. In the first place, we're going to talk about some Bible readers. Who are some people, some individuals, some groups in the Bible, in the Old and New Testaments, who read their Bibles? And what was the result of that? I'll give you three, first of all. Bible readers. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. You remember Job. Job was a man who suffered tremendously. He lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his health. If ever there was somebody more miserable than Job, I don't know who that would have been. And Job tried to make sense of why he was suffering, why this was happening to him. And his friends came along and his friends tried to tell him that he was guilty of sin and that's why he was suffering. And Job kept protesting and saying, I'm innocent. And look in Job 23 at verse 12, what Job says as he's talking about how God is righteous and he knows that God's doing the right thing, even though he doesn't understand why things are the way they are in his life. One of the things Job says by way of protesting his innocence in Job 23 and verse 12, my clicker is having issues. There it goes. All right, Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed, Job says, from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. 
That sounds a great deal like man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, doesn't it? Job and Jesus had the same idea about the importance and the vital nature of God's word in their lives. And one of the reasons why Job was able to endure his trials and to be patient in the midst of his trials was because he had treasured the words of God's mouth even more than his necessary food. It's about enduring. It's about holding on. It's about believing that there's something worth living for even when life is difficult and challenging a second group open your bibles to acts 17 and look at verse 11 acts chapter 17 verse 11 the apostle paul was preaching in various cities in the area called macedonia in northern greece And Paul had gone to a place called Thessalonica, and he had preached and he established a congregation in Thessalonica, but he met with a great deal of hostility in Thessalonica, and so then he just moved a little bit down the road to a city called Berea. And in Acts 17, verse 11, there is a remarkable statement. You know, I've always been fascinated by the fact that we have two letters to the Thessalonians in our New Testament, but we have no letters to the Bereans. In God's wisdom and his providence, he he decided that the Thessalonians were going to be the inspired letters, and whatever Paul might have written to the Bereans, if he wrote anything, was not inspired. But here's what the Bible says about those Bereans that were very close to Thessalonica. The Bible says they were more fair-minded, some translations say more noble-minded, than those in Thessalonica. And here's why. Because they received the word with all readiness... And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Those Bereans, they were Bible students, and they wouldn't let just anybody come into their synagogue. We're talking about Jews here. They wouldn't let just anybody come into their synagogue and say, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that's the servant that we read about in Isaiah 53. And he's the prophecy that that we read about in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They weren't going to let just anybody come in and make those kinds of claims without looking in their own Bibles, without checking these things out. And the Bible says they were more fair-minded because they read in their own Bibles about the things that they were hearing. There's something noble, something valuable about having an open mind, an open heart, and an open Bible. That's a recipe for spiritual success. Next, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verses 14 and 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Some individuals who read God's word and profited from it. Job endured suffering because he treasured God's word more than his necessary food. The Bereans were called noble because they searched the scriptures daily. And the Bible says about Timothy that he had been a Bible student from the time he was a young boy. Notice what Paul alludes to here. Timothy, you need to continue in the things of which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. That from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice, it is the scriptures conjoined with faith 
that leads to salvation. You see that? The scriptures, reading them, knowing what they say is one thing, but then living those things, obeying what the Bible says, that's faith. And the Bible says that from a young child, from a young boy, Timothy had been taught by his mother and his grandmother who were godly women. Timothy knew what God's word said. We need to invest more in our younger people. We need to invest in their education spiritually. Because whether we know how to parse a Spanish word or whether we know how to break down algebra 2 and we know how to do those uh, quadratic equations, whether we know any of those things or not, if we don't know God's word, education is incomplete. Now, having looked at some Bible readers... Let me just share with you very briefly some blessings that come from reading God's Word. We've already seen a number of these in our study thus far. But when we read the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, there are some blessings that you can only get through reading. They only come through reading. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31 in your Bible. And look with me at verses 10 and following. Deuteronomy 31 verses 10 and following. The nation of Israel was to gather together every seventh year, according to the law of Moses, and the whole nation was supposed to read the Bible. That was their purpose for gathering. It would be something like this. It would be something like the entire nation, our country, gathering together once every seven years and somebody reading the Constitution to us. That might be kind of a profitable exercise. What do you think? For us to go back and listen to the original documents that our founding fathers put in place. Well, this was even more important because while the Constitution is not inspired, the Bible is. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse 10, the Bible says, At the end of every seven years, Moses commanded them at the appointed time. In verse 11, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Now look at verse 12. Gather the people together, men and women, little ones, the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of the law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. There is something about reading that grounds us, that brings us back to what's really fundamentally important, that keeps us where our feet need to be. There's something about reading that does that. That's why Israel was required to read every seven years the entire law. By the way, historically, there's not much evidence that they actually did this. But you also know from the history of Israel how that worked out. Secondly, blessings of reading. Josiah's reforms began with the reading of the law. In 2 Kings chapter 22, Josiah was a king, young man, very young. And the Bible says that he decided he was going to restore the temple. He was going to renovate it. He was going to clean out all the cobwebs. And when they were going through the back rooms of the temple, somebody found an old scroll, a copy of the book of the law. And they brought it to Josiah. And Josiah read it. And when he read it, he tore his clothes because he said, God is angry with us. We have not kept the words of the book of the law. And Josiah began a tremendous period of reforms, of restoration, because he read the Bible. 
Next, blessings of reading God's Word. Ezra wanted people to obey the Word of God. Centuries after Josiah, Ezra came along, and the Scripture says in Ezra 7 verse 10 that he determined to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and then to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra was a tremendous worker for God. But make no mistake about it, his work for God began when he read the Bible, when he read God's Word, and when he thought about it, and what really is meaningful from God's Word. His restoration began with reading. In Acts chapter 8, the conversion of the Ethiopian nobleman. You remember? He was riding in a chariot, and while he was riding in that chariot, he was reading from a scroll. And Philip, the evangelist, came up to the Ethiopian and he asked him a simple question in Acts 8, verse 30. He said, do you understand what you are reading? Conversions begin with reading the Word of God. You know, sometimes one of the best things we can do in an evangelistic situation, one of the best things we can do is just to help people sit down and open up the Bible and look at what it says. What has God spoken to us? What has, he, what has he written to us? Blessings of reading. It increases our faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Blessings of reading. Not only does it increase our faith, but it gives us tremendous insight. Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, the mystery which was hidden from the ages and times past has been revealed to me. God's given me something that he has not given to the world before. And I've written these things down, he says in Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, that when you read it, you also can have the same understanding. You and I can understand the same message, the same mystery that Paul understood if we'll just read what he wrote. Blessings of reading. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed is he who hears the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who obey. God blesses those who read and hear and obey his word. Having said all this, why even go into this, Brother John? Because we all kind of fundamentally understand that reading God's word, yeah, that's an important thing to do. And yes, on a list of 30 things I need to do today, I'll put reading God's Word on my list somewhere. Okay. I want to help you with that. So what we're going to do as a congregation, and this is optional, but I suspect that a lot of you will want to involve yourselves in this. What we're going to do, and this is the third point of the lesson, we're going to begin a program today. And the program is called Reading in Sync. Reading in Sync there are, let me explain how this works, there are at this point right now today 20 weeks left in the year 2020. We've got 20 weeks left. As a congregation here at Katy, we are going to commit ourselves, those who want to, to reading one chapter a day, five days a week. You decide which days you want to read. If you want to read on Sunday and Saturday and you want to do every other day, during, that's fine. However you want to do this. If you already have a Bible reading plan that you are committed to and that you're determined to follow, great. Continue with that. Don't feel like you have to shift gears and do this. But 
because of the blessings of reading God's Word and because I strongly suspect that many of us really don't have much of a plan when it comes to reading God's Word. We don't have much of a focus when it comes to reading God's Word. A lot of us are going to try to read in sync. One chapter a day, five days a week. These chapters have already been selected and each week is going to have a theme and the theme is basically just a song from the songbook. So, today's August the 16th, the week of August 16th, the theme is Our God, He is Alive. You know that song, There is a God, you know that one? Okay, Our God, He is Alive. And the readings this week are 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Passages like that. Daniel chapter 5, the handwriting on the wall. And so each day there is a reading. And the reading relates to the theme. And not everything in the chapter that's been selected necessarily relates to the theme. So please just understand, not everything. There will be parts of certain chapters that we'll read through this exercise that may or may not relate directly to the song of the week. But something in that chapter does. Then... The readings have been selected especially with families and with children in mind. I would estimate that about 70% of the chapters that have been selected are narrative chapters. Narrative, what is that? That's Elijah at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. It's a chapter that tells a story that relates to us, a historical event, and it shows us something of the importance of serving God and pleasing Him. And those kinds of chapters are just a little bit easier, especially for young children to kind of digest and kind of understand. So about 70% of the chapters are selected with that in mind. But all of us can profit from those kinds of things. And then, because we're reading in sync, Our God, He is Alive is the theme for this week. And so next Sunday morning, the sermon, the lesson, will have something to do with that particular theme. Our God, He is Alive. And then we've got other songs for the next 20 weeks. You can see a list of this. Don't go to the website just now, but it's all on the website, okay? KDChurchOfChrist.com. It's all there. It's going to be in the bulletin. It's going to be uh, in, in other avenues, things like that. So there are actually some flyers and handouts out there in the foyer if you'd like to pick some of those up. And those will be produced weekly so that we can kind of all stay in step with each other. That's the program. Now, some more reflections on this. A suggested approach, this is intended because it's called reading in sync, this is intended to be done not just individually but with a group, okay? Not just individually but with a group. Because when we start talking about what we're reading, it helps us to reflect better on what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. So the suggested approach, if you have a family that you live with, some of us live alone, but if you have a family that you live with, the suggestion is... Why don't you, with your family, set a time, we're going to come together, and we're going to read this passage, this one chapter, together? Or, alternatively, this is what my family does, everybody reads the chapter on their own, and then in the evenings, usually around dinner time, we get together and we talk about what we've read that day. So either way, either approach. Secondly, we talk together. We answer some questions. I'm going to give you questions tonight. So you've either got a 
tune in or be back or whatever you're going to do this evening. But I'll give you some very practical, very easy to answer questions about any Bible passage this evening as we think about reading God's Word. But talk together about what we've read. And then third, pray together as a family. That's all there is to it. That's all we're asking you to do. Read the chapter, talk about it, pray together. Why do this? There are several advantages. Advantage number one, everyone can participate. Not all of us are ready at this point to meet in person. I know I talk on a weekly basis to a number of people that say things like, we really, really want to be there. We really, really want to be with God's people, but we just can't because of our health, because of conditions. Everybody can participate in this. Oh, by the way, I know as I talk to the camera back there, I know that some of you out there are in other cities and you're in other countries and you're in other parts of even Texas. You're welcome to participate with us too. The information's accessible to you. You can come right along with us. We would love for you to read more of God's word with us. We would love for you to be able to think about what God has said and to ask questions and interact. And so everyone can participate both online and in person. Secondly, advantage, more of God's word is getting into more of our lives. What could be wrong about that? If man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, if you're not living by the word of God, you're not really living. And then this, there are plenty of opportunities because we're reading in sync to interact with others. Somebody might want to start a social media, a Facebook post. Here's what my family observed as we read 1 Kings 18 and let other people chime in. Somebody might want to start a group, a group chat on text message. We're going to read and we're going to talk about what we've read. Especially if you live alone, that's a great way to do this. There are lots and lots of different ways. And we're going to talk together as a congregation weekly about what we've been reading the previous week. There are some advantages to doing this, reading in sync, getting into God's word, filtering out some of what else we read and filtering out some of what else we hear on a weekly basis and letting God's word develop and grow our faith. Now, fourth reflection about reading, and then the lesson will be yours. My goal, brothers and sisters, is not to make anybody feel guilty about not reading the word of God. Maybe you do need to feel guilty, okay? I'll just say that. But my goal is not that. My goal is rather to encourage you. And I think sometimes we get in our minds that there is just one certain way to read the Bible. There's just one certain time of day to read the Bible. And I just want to share with you, as you think about Scripture, very briefly, there are lots of different types of Bible readers. People who spent time alone with God. There are lots of different types as you read through scripture. There are, for example, the early birds. Some of you are up at three and four in the morning. I know that because I get text messages and emails from you while I'm still asleep. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that I can answer later, but you're up early and you're reading the Bible early. And I get Bible questions from some of you. I love, by the way, when people text me or call me or email me with Bible questions. There's not any better way I'd like to spend my day than talking about the Word of God. I really sincerely mean that, so thank you for that. The Bible says that Jesus arose early in the morning, Mark 1.35, a long while before daylight, 
And he departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus was an early bird by design. And some people are like that. And that's when they function best and think best. But not everybody. Some, day are what we, some people are what we call the midday breakers. Mark 6.31, the apostles are busy serving, they're busy working, their minds are in the, in the moment, and Jesus says, you need to come apart by yourselves for a while and rest a little. And sometimes that's what we need to do in the middle of our day. 10 o'clock works for some people. Noon works for some people. I'm going to spend that time investing in the Word of God. Then there are the commuters the commuter seekers. In Luke 24, verses 13 through 27, there were two men that were walking about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they walked along the way, a stranger came and they began to talk about the Bible and they began to talk about what had happened to Jesus. And then the Bible says there in Luke 24 that Jesus, the stranger that they didn't recognize, that Jesus began to open up and to expound in all the things in the law and the prophets to them, the things concerning himself. In other words, they were investing in the Word of God during their commute from Jerusalem to Emmaus. There are some folks that will do that during their daily commute back and forth. There are the night watchers. Psalm 63, verse 6, I meditate on you in the night watches, the psalmist said. There are some people that just don't get their minds and their hearts in gear to focus on and concentrate on God's Word until the sun has gone down. And then there are the free spirits. It's all over the map. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 97. I bring those to your attention this morning to share with you. It's not the same for everybody. When you're comfortable and when you're focused on reading the Word of God, everybody's personality, everybody's temperament is a little bit different. The important thing, brothers and sisters and friends, is that we invest intentionally and consciously in the Word of God. That's what's important. That we're listening to what He says, that we're asking good questions about what He says, and that we're interacting with others concerning what He says. Because, as we talked about in the very first part of this lesson, People are not converted unless they hear the Word of God. They're just not. People do not remain faithful to Jesus Christ unless they're constantly hearing the Word of God. They just don't. Restoration and revival do not happen until people are focused on the Word of God. It just doesn't happen. We can manipulate and we can create all kinds of exciting experiences, but if the Word of God is not the foundation and bedrock for all of that, it's worthless. It's not going to last. God wants his people to hear his word. And it's up to us, especially those of us who are husbands and those of us who are parents, it's up to us to decide without a shadow of a doubt, this is going to be a priority in our homes. Reading in sync. What are you reading? What have you been investing in? What have you been looking at and thinking about? The answer to that question may well spell the difference between spiritual life and an eternity without God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian and you want to come to Jesus Christ, the one who loved to answer questions by saying, it is written, have you not read? You want to come to him this book will show you how to come to him. 
it will show you what a relationship with him looks like and how you can live and abide in him. If you need to make that decision this morning, you know that you've not obeyed the gospel. But you want the cleansing and forgiveness that only come from Jesus. Come to him, repent of your sin, confess his name, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. This book shows you what it means to live for God. Let's read and sync as God's people together. If you have a need to respond this morning, why don't you come all together? We stand and while we sing.